What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Melissa Lee, and today for Scott Wapner, amazing Alphabet crushing earnings, announcing a big stock split. Did Alphabet bet put a floor in the beaten up tech trade? We'll trade that and get ready for the big mega cap names that report later today. Plus, Investment Committee making a number of moves in this market. We'll tell you all about them. Joining us today, Brenda Vingello, Surat Sethi, Kevin O'Leary, Joe Terranova, and Pete Nigerian, co-founder of MarketRebellion.com. Let's get a check on the markets and where we stand right now. The major average is trying for a fourth straight day of gains. That hasn't happened since December. So far, though, we've got the Dow and the Nasdaq in the red, although you can call that unchanged effectively. S&P 500 up by just a fraction of a percent. Ten-year yield is hovering at 1.75 percent. Alphabet, meantime, hitting record highs and closing close to hitting $2 trillion in market cap for the first time after posting blowout earnings. The tech giant also announcing a 20-for-1 stock split. This arguably, Joe, would be the best quarter that you could ask for out of Alphabet for this market. And yet here we are, eh, not doing too much. How do you interpret this? Well, you could have said that for the last quarter, that that was the best quarter Alphabet would post. And here we go with an even better quarter to follow. Um, This comes on the back of some very bullish behavior overall for the NASDAQ in the last couple of days. So this is a classic example of really, really good news, but markets have already really moved pretty far. So I think there's a calmness that's kind of returned overall to the markets, Melissa. Um, and, And I see today's price action as one that is continuing that calmness and maybe settles into a little bit of a consolidation to lower type of trading range uh, to see once we get on the other side of the unemployment report if we could resume the recent uptrend. Surat, what do you what did you make of the quarter for for Alphabet and do you think that we are entering a period of calmness because a lot of investors out there would welcome that with open arms? So I, I would agree with you that, you know in one part I think the earnings were exactly what Alphabet said to deliver. Uh, you had really good margins. You had cash flow, YouTube, and I think you know cloud is doing really well. What, what I would disagree with, with Joe is I'm not sure we're going to go into this period of low volatility. I think earnings are going to really matter, and companies that do not perform are going to get hurt hard, you know, really badly. And you saw that with what's going on with PayPal. And those that do well will be rewarded. Uh, in a much better way. So I think the, the differentiation versus, you know, what we've had for the last 18 months is you really have to perform. And I think that could cause some volatility, at least in stock prices, might not be on the index level, but you're going to see that moving in the stock prices. The difference too, Brenda, I mean, if you take a look at the past three days of gains as we sort of had a market where a lot has risen all at once. And here we are with the markets differentiating between the stories. We have Alphabet specifically moving sharply higher. We have PayPal specifically moving sharply lower and the rest sort of just hanging out there until their earnings come up. Um, So is this a good sign 
Well, I agree with Surat that it really is going to matter. You know, companies that are exceeding expectations or setting reasonable expectations and then ex at least meeting them or exceeding them, I think are going to be rewarded in this type of market. And the market's also, you know, realizing and realized a while ago that, you know, a lot of companies really are up against very tough comparisons, all these beneficiaries of the pandemic environment that we've been in. So I think, you know, fundamentals are really important. I think when we think about market returns this year, corporate earnings growth is going to be really important because I don't think we can count on having valuation expansion, significant valuation expansion like we've experienced in the past. So I think sticking with fundamentals is really important with Google in particular. You know, if you look at their 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 business, they talked many times about broad-based consumer, consumer strength, and that's really important because they have exposure to other areas like services and travel, areas that the consumer appears to be already pivoting towards, and we think that could be an area of future strength. And then the cloud business, of course, um, also incredibly strong. So I think there's good reason to be positive about Google, but I think fundamentals absolutely matter in this environment. Pete, how are you feeling about big cap technology? Because what we have seen for the for a large part is big cap technology really putting up the numbers at this point. With the exception of Netflix so far, we got Meta tonight, so we'll, we'll find out about that one. But otherwise, it's really been standout quarters for Microsoft, Apple, as well as Alphabet. You're asking me? Pete. Oh, you know what? Sorry. Pete's mic is uh, having a problem. So he's, if, if you can read lips, you're in luck. But otherwise, we're going to go to Kevin O'Leary, who actually, <laughs> whose mic actually works. Kevin, same question to you. Big Cap Tech, you're, you've been feeling good because you actually added to, uh, to your ETF, the, the tech giants ETF that you've got. Yes, OGIG, because it really reflects the overall tech space. A lot of volatility. But, you know, looking at this PayPal situation versus uh, Alphabet and Google, you still have to take into account ex executional excellence. This is a case in PayPal's situation where they've reset a second quarter in a row, and uh, they're getting punished very badly for it. The whole idea of resetting quarters is to throw everything, including the kitchen sink in, and then start to perform again. When you reset twice in a row like they've done here, you go into the institutional penalty box. These guys aren't coming out anytime soon. They're going to have to start printing multiple quarters back into the green and growth. They're going to be badly punished, so the pain isn't over. But that's the nature of tech. And when you, you know, can grow and show that you can consistently do it and execute, you get rewarded. That's what's happening with Microsoft. That's what's going to happen with Facebook, I think, on their print tonight. And that's what's going to happen with Alphabet. These guys are delivering, and tech is not over. You know, every time we say it's over and the P's need to be crushed because the Fed is moving and it's the end of the free world again, that's a buying opportunity just like it was two weeks ago on that nasty Monday. Pete, I think you're back. I think your mic is fixed. I think we don't have to read lips anymore. <laughs> so what do you, do you like the tech trade here? Have you been adding to your positions lately? I have been. And I tell you what, Mel, I'm, I'm excited about what we are seeing. And it all comes down to do you deliver? Apple delivered. They absolutely crushed the numbers. They had record earnings. Obviously, we all know that by now. And look at the iPhone sales. I didn't expect them to be as strong as that side of it was, but I'm still impressed with all the other business models and what they've been able to do and how well they've actually executed under difficult circumstances. And then you go over to Microsoft. You're talking about a $2 trillion company that's got 20% growth on their earnings and on their revenue and 
different parts of the of the rest of the markets, and obviously they have the cloud as well, which is uh, doing extremely well when you look at Azure and how how much they are starting to take from others out there. So I think when you look at this Google number, the numbers were strong, they were extremely strong, but I, I look at this and part of the reason I think people are so excited about Alphabet, sorry I said Google, but Alphabet is that 20 for one, Mel, I think that's a big deal. I think that mm. is the, the primary catalyst of why it's up as much as it is. I think their numbers were great, but they weren't like Apple, and they were not like Microsoft, in my opinion at least. And what I, what I think really did move the stock was that 20 for one split. I think people are very excited about that. We all know that that doesn't change dollar-wise a lot of different things, other than it gives people an opportunity to maybe look at a stock like this. We've always talked about this with Amazon, some of these big names obviously over time. When are they gonna split? When are they gonna give the, the, the consumer a, a chance? You know, and, and that's what we wait for oftentimes. But I I think the big tech has delivered. I agree with Kevin. I think Facebook will crush it again. Uh, Zuckerberg has not let us down in a really long period of time, so I'm expecting to see them come through as well. I want to drill down uh, just for a moment or two uh, into the 20 for 1 stock split because, as Pete had mentioned, it doesn't change the fundamentals whatsoever. But in terms of accessibility to a new class of investor, the retail investor, who we have seen become very active in 2021. Maybe that was the story of 2021. The retail investor joining in to the point where it did have, he did and she did have an impact on the overall markets. Maybe this is important, Brenda. What do you, what do you think? Could this provide additional, even if at the margin, support for Alphabet? I think it could, but I don't think that I don't I disagree that I don't think that's the primary reason why it's up so much today, because, you know, consumers have been able to buy fractional shares of a lot of companies on different platforms. So I think there has been some um, availability uh, to the, the retail consumer for a lot of these higher price stocks. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, I think today's move is, in my view, all about fundamentals and all about this really solid quarter we just saw and the broad-based strength of the business. Um, so I think it, incrementally um, it's positive that we're seeing this stock split, but I, I think there has been availability again through fractional shares that people have been able to purchase on various retail platforms. Pete, I'm going to go back to you because in the options market, it does make a difference, doesn't it, if the, if the share price is 120th of where it is right now? Right. Absolutely. 100%. And I think the fractional shares is overblown as well. I think people still shy away from that, Mel. I don't think that they, they feel like they're being shut out. And this is an opportunity, I think. I really do think this is one of the catalysts that really is propping the stock. I, I, I disagree a little bit, at least, when I say um, that I, I'm looking at some of the numbers. You know, the U2 numbers were, were good. They still have growth, but that wasn't exactly what they were looking for. They're, they missed on a few fronts. The cloud revenue is great, but it missed as far as some of the S so I think when you're looking at, at Google, there's a lot of different things that you can point to and say, you know what's fantastic. It's about ad rev. That's what that's where they absolutely crushed it and continue to crush it. But I, I still lean on the fact that people have the opportunity and with options, giving them that much more of an opportunity to participate in the stock. I think and all you've got to do is look at look at the options markets and just look at those volumes, Mel. I mean, right now we are averaging close to 45 million contracts a day this year. So that gives you a little bit of an idea. And each and every year, we're just getting bigger and bigger and bigger in that area. So I think the derivatives markets are hungry for something like this, and they're hungry to be able to trade stocks like Amazon and Google and others that are trading at really, really high lofty levels. Yeah, and ad revenue, that is the read through 
to tonight's big report, which would be Meta, of course. Uh, Kevin, you're actually buying some more Meta, formerly known as Facebook, ahead of these uh, the quarter. I am. I think the narrative is going to start to change on this quarter from the bread and butter old time business of selling geolocked advertising to what the metaverse is going to look like. And if you're an investor, you have to start thinking about an issue that is going to involve large advertisers. And here it is. The unregulated metaverse, the Wild West metaverse, which is also getting traction, is not going to be popular with big advertisers. Because if you go buy real estate and set up a liquor store or a porn site in the metaverse that's unregulated, that's a problem if you're a brand. What Zuckerberg's going to start talking about is a curated metaverse where he can guarantee you safety in terms of what brands you're associated with. And that's going to have a lot of value. Now, it's not what the Kryptonians want to hear about because everybody likes the freedom of an open metaverse. But that's if you're a Procter & Gamble or you're a big brand or a Nike, you simply don't want to set up on the metaverse beside a porn shop. And, or a smoke shop or a liquor store. These are the issues that are going to happen. You have to start thinking about the metaverse as a real place for advertising as people start to explore it through the gaming communities. And so I think Zuckerberg is going to start focusing on the value enhanced by being a curated metaverse, and the street's going to pay up for that because he's one of the only places you can do that. Yeah, you might hate him. Maybe he's horrible and get dragged in front of Congress again, but the market doesn't care. He owns it. Sounds like a Disneyland in the metaverse that you're talking about, Kevin. I mean, a scrubbed, cleaned up version, sanitized, et cetera. I wonder if that's the metaverse that that people of not our age, any of our ages on this panel, want to go to. Um, Srot, I'm curious, when you think about meta, do you think about the metaverse as being a primary driver, a primary reason to be in the stock? So I, I think what Kevin's outlaid is, is a good option value on Meta. But, but for me, the two things that I really want them to talk about is Instagram. And I want to talk about, you know, what the monetization of that is. What is the advertising on that? What is the traje trajectory on that one? I think that's really important because that's going to be a very good growth driver for Meta. The other one is WhatsApp and, and how are they going to monetize that as well. So those are two things that I don't think investors give Meta enough credit and I think, you know, the, the true metaverse is an option out there in the next couple of years. They're spending a lot of money. So I think all these things, if they line up properly and management can spend some time on them, I think can re-rate the stock as well to a higher multiple because they really do have some really good growth ahead of them. Yeah. Joe, how are you feeling about meta ahead of, ahead of earnings? Uh, I agree with everything that Sriracha said and, and, and Kevin as well. Clearly, there is a significant tailwind behind them. And the acquisition years ago of Instagram was, was just a sensational one on, on the part of the management team at Facebook. Uh, we own Facebook and the T ETF. We've owned it there for a very long time. I would expect significant follow-through in terms of positive momentum and earnings after what we've seen with Alphabet and last week with Apple. So uh, it's one of the reasons why. I didn't use the word before volatility, Surat. I said there was a little bit of a calmness in the market. Um, and, and I think a lot of that is kind of being exhibited by these mega cap equities, these growth oriented businesses, this, these growth at a reasonable price businesses really coming in, Mel, and reporting the type of earnings that mm -hmm. you would expect given the premium you pay for their share price. And that's steadied the market overall. I think without question, that's undeniable. And that's the biggest characteristic yeah. I see. The markets have steadied. Yeah, I mean, to, to Joe's point, 
Alphabet alone is a 2 to 3% weighting in the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ. So when we talked at the top about Alphabet specifically putting a floor under the market, you add to that Apple, you add to that Microsoft, Pete, and you've got a pretty good foundation at least, even if everything else whips around a bit. Absolutely. And, you know, we've talked about this for a long time as well, Mel, when we talk about those triple and quadruple P.E. type stocks as far as, you know, what 100 P.E., 1,000 P.E., all those types of things. Just absolutely crazy. And you look over at Meta right now trading at almost, well, what is it, about 20 on their P.E. right now? It's, it's extraordinarily low. And it's amazing. And you look at the free cash flow that they've got. Joe's right. I think the acquisitions, not just Instagram, they have been an aggressive acquisition company since the get-go. Since the IPO, they have made an enormous number of acquisitions in that time frame. And they just figure out ways to make each and every one of them work. And it's not always the, 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 the most politically correct stock to be involved with. We all know that. But it seems like uh, Zuckerberg is able to just be unbelievable on how he is Teflon. Things, it does bounce off of them. And they just come right back once again. So I would expect this quarter to be a big quarter. But that free cash flow, we talk about this with a lot of different names, obviously. But the free cash flow of this company is just absolutely extraordinary. It's probably not looked at enough. And I think that's a very important piece to, to what's going on with this company. We've got Amazon rounding out the FANGs reporting tomorrow, and I wonder if this could be the wild card report, tougher comps, maybe bigger spends, Brenda, uh, in terms of CapEx. How are you feeling about this one? Yeah, I mean, I think we're likely to see really strong cloud, um, like we've seen uh, from from Google and, uh, excuse me, Alphabet and others. Um, and so we would expect that business to continue to be very strong. It's the e-commerce business that I think is in question, although I think Amazon's stock really reflects that there is concern about tougher comps on the e-commerce side. You know, it really has not participated over the last year in the broader market return that we've seen. So we think a lot of that is baked in and, you know, just can't deny that, especially in this environment, like we found ourselves in this year again uh, with Omicron, where everyone's back at home. They are the go-to uh, e-commerce retailer. And so I think they're going to continue to benefit from that ongoing shift and their place in the market. Yeah. And, and remember, Netflix, Netflix uh, raised their prices, right? And nobody shrugged. You wonder if Amazon will do this with Prime. I mean, if anybody's got pricing power, it's Amazon, right, Surat? They, they do. And, and I think the key here is going to be the comps. How are they going to do against last year? Because really, Amazon was the key beneficiary of stay at home, just like PayPal was and, and some of the other stocks. So I think if they can use these levers, talk about raising prices on Prime, talk about you know shipping costs, and they have huge operating leverage in that business. So that's what investors are going to look for. And really, can they pass on those price increases on shipping, on wages, on input costs that others are having as well. And I think this stock could do well. But right now, it's a complete show-me stock. It's not getting the benefit because, yes, cloud's doing well, the other pieces are doing well, but, but it hasn't really taken part of the rally that the market has over the last year. The inflationary pressures part of this, that's the sort of the common thread throughout earnings season, whether it be a General Motors or uh, an Amazon, Joe, uh, in terms of wages. Certain things about inflation are going to be sticky and will stay with us. And you want to wonder, you got to wonder if Amazon, with its thin margins, is going to be able to weather this well. Yeah, I I think that's a fair assessment. And remember, the capital allocation strategy is, is not there for Amazon 
like it is for Facebook, Microsoft, Apple, and, and Alphabet. And a lot of the story uh, and uh, the ownership and the reasoning for the ownership is that capital allocation story for mega cap. So um, I don't own Amazon. That's probably one of the reasons why. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's a correct observation to be concerned about what margins are going to be looking like with a lot of the wage pressures that they are going to ultimately experience. All right, let's get to the stock that is in the institutional penalty box, as Kevin had said. That would be PayPal. Shares are on pace for their worst day ever. The payment company giving weak guidance, lots of ownership on this one on the investment committee. So, Pete, I'm going to go to you, hold your feet to the fire, because, you know, it it had a terrible third quarter, had terrible guidance then. Here we are, repeat. So what do you do with this? Absolute frustration. I saw Jim Cramer on TV today, and I totally agree with everything he was talking about, Mel, where he was just breaking down the quarter and the fact that there just wasn't any transparency to why this quarter was as bad as it was and the projections going forward. They, they look terrible, once again. I mean, when we look at that guidance, that really is what people look at. You know, we, we all love earnings. We all love that, that whole thing. But oftentimes what really moves these stocks is the guidance, and the guidance was absolutely terrible. I'm, I'm shocked at how poor things are being run right now at this point in time. I think it's frustrating and beyond words. I, I'm like everybody else. Fortunately, when it was up in the 300 level and I saw those PEs, I stayed away from it. I thought I was going to be safe around 180. I wasn't. I thought I was going to be safe around 156, 157. I wasn't. I am as frustrated as anybody else, Mel. There is, there, this, was, this was an absolute incredible shock to me how much they missed by and those projections going out, how, how they just aren't even close to what was expected. So uh, there's frustration there. I guess to answer your question, would I sell it? I'm looking at it. I, I'm frustrated enough, and I, and I don't see any light right now at the end of the tunnel. I should, well, but, so you know, what, all the what things the that I was looking for. What is the question in your mind then, Pete? What is the question in your mind at this point in terms of why you to, would sell? You, you just ran through a litany of reasons why the stock is in the, in the dumps. Yeah. So why are you holding right. on to it? Yeah. Um, it, it, well, it's, <laughs> that's a great question. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm having to look at it, and I probably will make a decision by the end of the week. You know, a lot of the time we talk about this, whether stocks go up or down, Mel, you give it maybe a two- or a three-day pause mm-hmm. and, and try to figure it out after that. This is what I'm doing right now. So in a three-day position, you might find that I might be gone. But, you know, maybe there's something underneath that we're all missing, that, that, that uh, maybe somebody on the panel knows something that we're missing that we should look at. I was buying it when I thought was a cheap P.E. in the 30s, the low 30s. It's gotten a heck of a lot cheaper than that now. And um, I just have full frustration right now. I, you, you can probably tell. Okay. Can we put up the, the monster six? There we go. The six box. If anybody can find a redeeming thing about PayPal, please raise your hand. Okay, there's silence. There is. Oh, Surratt. Surratt is brave. He's a brave man. Surratt, please walk <laughs> us through what you like because Jeffrey's called the guidance. Okay. So, it, it so okay, hold on, hold on. I, I am. I, I, okay, we'll go to redeeming, <laughs> but I share in Pete's frustration. I am extremely frustrated. You look at Amex. What did they say? Wow, things are improving cross border, Visa, MasterCard. And then you get to PayPal, who already had kitchen synced it and did it again. So I am there with Pete, and I need a couple of days to figure out what I want to do. Okay, having said that, I think the fundamentals here, this is a great story in terms of where they are. If you look at Venmo, and, and maybe Venmo could be the catalyst. Maybe Amazon takes Venmo on, or, or you know, they get a, a new runway ahead. 
I'm, I'm looking for kind of green shoots here. They, they have a great business, you know, in crypto. They have a great business in payments. So they have a great business. The execution has been terrible. So at this point, kind of, you know, is it worth it to sell it now and come back later? Maybe I don't know, but I need a couple of days to think about that. But I do think the stock is washed out. And I'm not even sure the P.E. went down because the earnings went down, you know, so much. So your <laughs> yeah. P.E. probably still is the same, yeah. or if not a higher. So, uh, so yeah, I'm frustrated, too. But I think <laughs> the, the business is still good. It's just mm -hmm. not been run very well. Here's the question, though. OK, so we, we've been talking about Apple and Alphabet just as two examples. Posted very, very strong, solid earnings. Their P.E.s right now, forward P.E.s, are about the same as PayPal. So, Brenda, with that in mind, how do you interpret PayPal as a stock, as an investment? Yeah, you know, well, the other redeeming thing about PayPal, I'll say on the quarter, although I'll agree we own it and are also incredibly frustrated. Uh, but, you know, free cash flow is still really good, 22% of revenues during the quarter. This is a really profitable business. Within the payment processing universe, they're still one of the faster-growing companies, most innovative companies. <laughs> think that's a reason to consider it, although our position is also under consideration at this point. Quite disappointing. I mean, this is an expectations game and, you know, they've blown it uh, two, two quarters in a row. Um, so that's incredibly frustrating. But I think when we look at does it deserve the same kind of multiple as an Apple or a Microsoft um, potentially? I mean, it's ultimately it's a faster growing, more nimble company. Um, and so it should potentially afford a higher multiple, but not right now. <laughs> you know, this is a company that needs to prove itself. And so I don't think it's going to do anything um, until we have a really solid quarter uh, that at least exceeds expectations. And we understand more about why they're seeing more macro softness, as they described it on the conference call, versus other competitors that just don't seem to be seeing that right now. Yeah, they said Omicron. They said the lack of, of stimulus. I mean, they, they threw everything out there, Kevin, as as reasons why uh, you've got a full position, Kevin. You said it's in the institutional penalty box. Is it in your penalty box? And do you hold on to that full position? Um, it is in my penalty box. That was a, a story about the dog ate my homework. I listened to that. I'm, I'm very <laughs> unhappy with them. <laughs> In addition to that, let me give you external forces to consider that might be putting pressure on a permanent displacement on PE here, a permanent discount, a reason for you not to own this permanently. Payment systems, this, this was considered and was indexed with institutions as a, an infrastructure play in uh, digital payment systems. And now all of a sudden you've got the uh, idea that maybe stable coins one day, in the case of Circle with USDC, which is far more efficient than this, far less costly, could come under scrutiny and then be approved by the regulator. And all of a sudden, you don't care as much anymore about PayPal. You start to wonder, what if on centralized and decentralized finance? The fact that they, you know, this is a self-inflicted wound on, ex on execution. They really blew it. And it's going to be very painful. And I think if you're considering owning it, um, you know, for me, I'm not buying any more of this. I could technically do that now and bring it back up to a 5% weighting. But I'm sorry, um, management really blew it, and they deserve to be punished, and they should be. And frankly, there's some new external risks, as I just detailed, that maybe are going to permanently impair the PE of this company as it gets more and more competitive. But that quarter, 
I haven't seen anything like that for a long time. You, the whole idea is when you know you're not going to make it, you basically come out and say, I'm sorry, but I'm throwing the kitchen sink in and quarters ahead are going to get better. That's not the story here. It sounds to me like quarters are going to continue to press down and this, the price of this stock will be under pressure for a long time. Sounds like you're dumping this or you're going to dump it, Kevin. Is that the right takeaway here? OK, you're right. I'm dumping it because they suck. <laughs> well, that is the line of the day, Kevin. I don't even know if I can repeat that, but that was just thanks for getting to the point. Right, we're going to take a break now. Up next, <laughs> the committee's latest moves in this market, plus GM calling 2022 a pivotal year for its growth in EVs. Shares pulling back today and down 10% so far this year. The trade is straight ahead. Halftime is back in two. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one, which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones, from powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY, a big idea that inspired the world to invest differently and still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Welcome back. I'm Rahel Solomon, and here is our CNBC News update at this hour. The FBI has now identified six people as persons of interest in bomb threats this week to historically black colleges and universities around the country. That's according to NBC News. All six people are minors, and officials say that they use sophisticated methods to hide their threats, which do appear to have a racist motivation. The trial of three officers involved in the killing of George Floyd has been delayed after one tested positive for covid they are charged with violating Floyd's civil rights. The judge says that the trial will not resume until Monday. And overseas, French President Emmanuel Macron is seen leading the race in France's presidential election. A new poll shows him beating Le Pen in the runoff vote. Macron has not announced his candidacy yet, but is expected to do so as soon as this week. Melissa, I'll send it back to you. Rahel, thank you. The investment committee is making some moves. Kevin, you are buying more Zoom. Why? Um, Zoom has been put in the penalty box because everybody assumed it was a stay-at-home stock. That's not true. In our private businesses, we continue to buy the enterprise version. We continue to buy licenses. They've increased the, uh, reduced the latency. It's a very useful tool regardless of where we are in the pandemic cycle. It's been punished badly. And as a result, I'm not, and it's not because of executional issues. They are just, their PE has been compressed on a wide range of concerns. But I like it as a name to add more to and bring my cost base down. I think this stock continues to perform as the leader, essentially the Kleenex of video conferencing. And Joe, uh, you bought some more Nike. Yes, Melissa. I uh, spoke about this on the show on, on Monday. It's a, a name that I know well, a name that frustratingly I, I didn't trade well last summer. Uh, but it's pulled back now, and I'm using that pullback as an opportunity to get into a company that I view as a classic GARP uh, growth at a reasonable price, 
They're going to benefit. Uh, the prior quarter was a pretty ugly one as it related to the business in China. I think with a lot of the monetary easing that's currently being conducted there, you're going to see in coming quarters a little bit of a revival and a stronger contribution of growth. And then you're beginning to see uh, around the world that factories are opening once again. Vietnam is opening, which a lot of Nike's footwear production comes from. So I'm back in the name, comfortable doing it, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to hold on a lot longer than I did last time. I certainly got out uh, way too quick. Joe mentioned China and the concern there. You know, we got a read from Starbucks, which is not good. And I understand they're not really identical stocks in any way. But Starbucks has a big presence in China and reported a huge decline. It was down 14 percent, Surat. And so I'm wondering if, if you think that is a worry for, for companies in general, China, because not only is it hit by Omicron, but it's also, uh, it's also got the real estate market just reeling over there. With so many people participating in the real estate market, they're taking a wealth hit. Yeah, I think you have a combination of that, and then you also have the combination of China's pretty much shut down. So you're going to get companies like a Starbucks and other consumer goods uh, companies that are going to get hurt, at least for the short term, until kind of the zero COVID policy uh, disappears. So uh, I, I think that is, at least for the next couple of quarters, a concern there. And, and we see it in our own supply chain and inventories, too, because we're just not getting the products out of there. So uh, it is something to watch for. All right. GM shares pulling back. This is uh, on the back of its earnings now. Let's get to Philip Bow, who spoke with CEO Mary Barra in a first on CNBC interview this morning. Phil. Mary, I'm sorry, not Mary, Melissa, on paper, it's hard not to find much to like about the numbers that GM put up yesterday or the guidance that the company gave. Now, you can quibble about whether or not they'll be able to execute and meet their projections, but take a look at their guidance in terms of what they're planning to do when it comes to electric vehicles. They are going to be increasing beyond the $35 billion that they've already put aside to invest through 2025. That means pulling forward plans for a third electric truck plant, dedicated electric truck plant, as well as adding a fourth EV battery plant. Here is Mary Barra earlier today on Squawk on the Streets. We're saying between 22 and 23, we plan on uh, building uh, 400,000 EVs. So a significant ramp and then it just it's a steeper ramp from there. Let's put that projection into some perspective. All of last year, General Motors sold Fewer than 25,000 electric vehicles. Look at the market share GM has. Just 5.4% of all EVs sold last year, according to Motor Intelligence. So if they sell 400,000 this year and next year, they'll easily be up over 10%, probably closer to 15% of the U.S. EV market. And one vehicle that is crucial to their success over the next couple of years is the Chevy Silverado EV. Now, this doesn't come out until 2023, but they unveiled it last month, just over three weeks ago. Since then, they have racked up 110,000 refundable reservations. People have said, here, here's $100. I'm going to reserve one. Now, they may ultimately not buy the vehicle, but that's an early indication of the interest that's out there for the Chevy Silverado EV. Take a look at shares of GM and Ford over the last year. GM also announcing that it is considering a more affordable electric vehicle than the Chevy Equinox, which will be coming out at a price point, they say, which will be base model $30,000. So is that a $25,000 EV? And Ford, remember, it reports its Q4 results. And we'll also see if they have more to say about plans for increasing EV development when they report their numbers tomorrow afternoon. Melissa. 
Back to you. <laughs> Bill, thank you. Um, most of you on the investment committee own GM. Pete, I'll go to you. You own GM calls. You own Ford calls. You just bought Rivian calls. How are you feeling about this landscape? Yeah, you know, the EV space is obviously what's really driving, whether it's GM or Ford. I mean, that really is the backdrop of what's going on and why those stocks, particularly Ford, has done so well. GM, on the other hand, is a little bit more of a lagger, obviously. But, you know, I like them, Mel. I think they're they, they quality companies. They're focused on the right thing. Rivian is interesting to me because where it was, you know, just a week or so ago, it was at its lows that it's been since it became a publicly traded stock. It was like 53 bucks, I think. And today we're seeing some May 100 calls being bought. So, you know, I, I think there is something to be said for Rivian as well. I think the entire EV space. But we all take a look at Tesla. And Tesla is what everybody's looking at. That's the focal point. And all of the different issues that they've had to go through over time. But everything that they've got. And it's not just about the cars themselves. It's about the fact that you're basically in a computer on wheels. And I think that's the one thing that has been lost in this whole thing has been what is Tesla really? And I've always said it's much more of a technology company. I still believe in that. It obviously is an automobile company, but with technology is really where they are king. And it's because of all the data that they've been able to raise over time. So yeah. I, I like this entire space, but I, I definitely lean to Tesla. I mean, that's how they navigated the whole supply chain issue. They rewrote the software. That's how good they are at that technology yep. thing. <laughs> Shares of AMD surging on strong earnings. Qualcomm higher ahead of its results after the bell. Kevin O'Leary is making a move in the space. We'll tell you what he's doing. Plus, all February, CNBC is celebrating black history. Here's CNBC contributor Robert Johnson sharing how he achieved success. As an entrepreneur, there's some gene that floats around in, inside you that makes you want to achieve things that others may feel is not possible. My inspiration came from believing in myself and having friends who encouraged me. And I think if more black Americans had that encouragement, support and level of confidence presented to them, the more black Americans can achieve their success as I have. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. 
That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. Qualcomm's reporting earnings after the bell today. Kevin, you are buying the stock ahead of this. Why? I think it's a more um, inexpensive way to have a proxy into semis. And you, you think about AMD and they're just blowing it out of the roof. They're doing such a great job executionally. Uh, Intel is uh, turning, in, turning itself into IBM. I don't know, the quarter after quarter of, of questioning the direction of this company, even though I love their $5 billion Ohio build-out. That's great. So I'm trying to find something in between where I can get some performance and not pay a crazy multiple, and that's Qualcomm. It, it really is. And plus the story there is litigations behind it, 5G story, reasonably priced, growth ahead, um, a proven management team, so you're right in the middle. I just think it's an easier way to get into the space if you don't have overexposure. Yeah. The sector today is on fire. I mean, in comparison to the broader markets, the Philly Semiconductor Index is up by about a percent thanks to AMD last night. That is surging. How are you feeling, Surat, about uh, the semiconductor space and, and whether or not AMD has helped sort of reignite this trade? I think it has, um, and I think uh, people are going to be really focused on Qualcomm. This is, again, we're going back to execution here. If you look at what Apple did, and Apple said, look, uh, phones are, are selling well, Qualcomm is a huge beneficiary of that. Stock trades at 16 times earnings. It's got a 2% dividend yield. And, and to what Kevin said is, if they can execute, not only do they have the 5G space, but they also have now automotive. They have a whole bunch of other areas that they are now in. And this stock could actually get multiple expansion if they execute. So similar to kind of, I don't I don't even want to say the name PayPal with it, but you know, if they can do a good job here, I think you can see a pop here as well. And, and look, we're looking at, at something where demand has been outstripping supply for the last 18 months during COVID. So, you know, NVIDIA has been a beneficiary. AMD has been a beneficiary. Even, even the, the chips that aren't high-end chips are, uh, companies are benefiting. So I think all eyes are going to be on Qualcomm to say, OK, mm-hmm. can you perform and what are your next couple of quarters going to look like? Brenda, you had uh, the point, which we didn't get to in the auto conversation, that there will be a glut of autos, even though that we are in a, a period right now of shortage. And I wonder if you think the same for the chip sector as it feeds into autos. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly a potential concern is that there's a lot of demand, a lot of talk about double ordering um, and just to get product. And so at some point, I think there is going to be a day of reckoning. Um, the good news, at least in the chip space, is they're just used so broadly and in so many applications that I think there is just growing demand in general. Uh, but nevertheless, I think at a certain point, um, supply is going to pick up with it is going to um, uh, converge with demand. Um, and then it's a question of inventory management. So I think there could be uh, some bumps in the road further down the road. We're certainly not there yet, still in an under, under inventoried situation uh, with chips. But um, I I think it's certainly possible to see it there and in the auto sector as well. All right. Coming up, what venture capital is saying about the buy the dip mentality. We're following the money next. Halftime's back in two. Well, look at that. The S&P 500 sitting at session highs right now with a gain of about seven tenths of one percent. 
um, or 30 points. Welcome back to the Halftime Report. Is the buy-the-dip mentality over or Leslie Pickers following the money? Leslie. Hey, Mel. Yeah, it's a key question when you look at the markets today. But if you ask this question to Josh Wolf, the answer is an emphatic yes. The market has been accustomed to this buy-the-dip mentality for half a decade, the co-founder of Lux Capital says. But now it's over. He believes that FOMO, fear of missing out, has been replaced by sobs, the shame of being suckered. No one wants to be suckered in this current environment, he said. You've had five, six years where buy-the-dip has been the mantra and it has worked. And I think it's no longer going to work and you're going to see revaluation across uh, specifically some segments of the market, but largely uh, across high growth tech and speculation and the stuff that we specialize in. Wolf believes the market dynamics are akin to March 2000, when for a subsequent 18 months or so, the Nasdaq reluctantly deflated. He said it's important to be aware of this macro environment, even with the highest quality investments. I always say that it's sort of like in our business, trying to pick the best meal on a menu after you've selected the best menu in the best restaurant, in the best city, in the best state, in the best country, and you're about to eat a morsel of that delicious bite that you've selected, and all of a sudden, Godzilla comes and steps on the, on the restaurant. For more on Wolf's take on the metaphorical sea monster plaguing the markets and to sign up for our Delivering Alpha newsletter, go to DeliveringAlpha.com or use the QR code on your screen. Melissa. All right, Leslie, thank you, Leslie Picker. Coming up, Pete Nigerian tracking unusual activity in the options market. His latest trades are next on Halftime. It is time for unusual activity. So, Pete, what are you seeing in the options market? Yeah, well, earlier, Mel, you were talking about Starbucks, and, and it's pulled back a little bit today. It's down about 1% or so. But uh, the interesting part is we are seeing the full month of February, we are seeing some buyers of the 100 strike. As a matter of fact, 5,800 of those calls being bought today call it between 85 cents and a dollar. They might be a little bit cheaper now. Stocks down a little bit off of those levels where they were originally buying. So that was pretty interesting. And then there's Nokia, which has earnings um, uh, tomorrow. But that, that one's interesting because we don't very often talk about puts. But the five-and-a-half strike puts were being bought. 38,000 of those puts were being bought, looking for maybe a little bit of a disappointment maybe tomorrow. So that's pretty interesting. The last one I got for you is we've got earnings coming out tomorrow as well after the close, but that's in Snap, and they're starting to position a little bit earlier. We see some buyers of the February 4th, so they're buying these four earnings. They're February 4th expiring. They're looking at the 39 strike calls, Mel, and they bought about 5,000 of those calls as well. And they're hedging them against the 43s. So they're buying the 39s, selling the 43s. That's what we've got for today. And a lot of interesting stuff, a lot of earnings is what people are playing off of. Yep. Pete, thanks for that. we got the final trades up next on the Halftime Report. All right, join me tonight at 5 o'clock. We've got a full show on Fast Money tonight. We'll be on the uh, conference calls for Meta as well as Qualcomm, so following all the after-hours action. Let's get to the final trades for the halftime report. Pete, you first. Well, you got a couple of interesting things going on, Mel. We've got AMD buying. We've had two different times today where we've seen some upside buying there, but also in NVIDIA. So my final trade is going to be NVIDIA. They have bought 20-plus thousand of the 260 calls that expire on Friday. Somebody's looking for this stock to make a move to the upside. I'm in it. Brenda Vangelo. I'm going with Stryker. So the company's still seeing some supply chain disruptions, which could disrupt business a little bit this year, but really looking for 6 to 8% growth, which is leading really in their category. Uh, so we think that should absolutely support the stock this year. Sarat Sethi. 
Qualcomm, I'm looking for them to talk about what the next couple of quarters are going to be, how margins are going to expand, and how their total addressable market is growing. Kevin O'Leary, what do you say? I'm actually selling. Um, I'm selling Marathon. I'm selling any Bitcoin miner that is subject to carbon audits because they're buying carbon credits. There's a new mining arrangement coming with companies that are using sustainable hydro, wind, and solar. You do not want to get caught up in a Larry Fink ESG audit. And that's what's going to happen to these mining stocks. Joe Terranova. We've seen a strong bounce back for growth. And I think the challenge is now balancing growth and value. Healthcare does that for you. CVS is a name that I would own there, as well as United Health. All right, that does it for us here on the Halftime Report. I will see you tonight on Fast Money at 5 o'clock. Meantime, do not go anywhere. The Exchange with Kelly Evans begins right now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.